As some of you know, my wife and I, Jackie's my wife, she and I moved to Tennessee uh, from the Northwest back in the mid-90s. And uh, moving from the Northwest to that part of the country, we had a, a bit of an education ahead of us. There was a lot of things we didn't know about living in the Mid-South. And some of that had to do with just some basic stuff, like there's humidity, turns out, in other parts of the country. Humidity that we never really got used to. There were these big bugs called cicadas, and they would awaken every few years, and they were loud, like super loud bugs. They didn't hurt you, but they were still scary. I'm kind of a, I have an issue with bugs, except for lightning bugs. I, I do like the lightning bugs. And the, that's, anybody ever been around lightning bugs here? Okay, some of you may be online. They are pretty, pretty neat to see. So yeah, a lot of things we had to learn. Both our kids were born in Tennessee, so they have some Tennessee blood in them. But it was interesting, that first year, Jackie and I, uh, we, we thought we'd catch a movie. And you know, moving from the Northwest to, to the Mid-South, uh, there, there's, it's, it's much more ethnically diverse, right? A lot, more, a lot more diversity, which is great. We went to see a movie there, and it was amazing. Once the film started, it's almost like the audience erupted. Like, there was interaction with the screen. Now, coming from the Northwest, I mean, we go to a movie and, you know, we might clap a little bit here and there, a little golf clap, we might laugh a little bit, but we stick to our popcorn. But when we see in a movie in the South, it's like there were interactions. So all around us, people were talking to the screen, saying, no, did you just see that? No, he did not. Don't go in there. It was like this whole running commentary of explosion. People were engaged in the film, even though, like, technically, you're like, well, that's just a film. You know they can't hear you, right? But they really got involved, much different than what we were used to. We were kind of, again, just kind of passively watching a film, eating our popcorn and keeping, keeping to ourselves. But in the South, it was like a whole new experience. And I tell you what, I loved it. I loved it because people were engaged, involved. And I learned things I didn't know in that, in that audience. And uh, every time we go to a film in the South, we just loved it because it was so different than being from the Northwest. But we, we do that sometimes in odd moments in life where sometimes we're active and other times we're a bit passive. Sometimes we're present and other times we're very distracted. And you probably experienced some of that this week, right? Maybe you were in a conversation with someone and you happen to notice that instead of listening to you, they're doing this. They're looking on their phone. They're on some screen and you realize they're not present with you. Like, if you wanted to have a really in-depth theological conversation with me, you wanted to go there, you wanted to dive deep spiritually, well, if you're at my house, baseball better not be on. Because if baseball's on, I may, I may be a bit distracted. I may, be, <laughs> I may be talking to that screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm not present in those moments, and we know this is true in life, don't we? I mean, have you ever kind of found yourself driving somewhere and you forgot really the last five miles? Doesn't that freak you out? Sometimes we're not engaged in what's going on. We're, we're, we're much more passive probably than we ought to be. We ought to be a little more active when we're driving. That's a, generally a good thing. But we, we, we see this often, this idea of being passive and maybe not engaged at things that we should be engaged with. And that's true with even kids and grandkids, right? You know, you, you want to be engaged in what's going on and be present for them. 
You know, think of all the times that, you know, you had conversations where you realized you just weren't really, really focused. And we do that often in life. Being a Christ follower is a very active life. It's not the passive life. It's not sitting back, even sitting in a pew or a chair and just consuming religious stuff. Being a Christ follower is a very active thing. And if you don't believe me, remember the last couple of weeks, we looked at how when Jesus began his ministry and he would, would be preaching and there'd be people that wanted more, he would tell them to do one thing and it has two words. Follow me. Not, here's this, memorize this, wear this t-shirt and sit here. He told people to follow him right from the beginning Following Jesus is an active life. It's something that we're engaged in. And we've been in this series now, we're calling Next Steps. And the idea here is we're getting clarity around what is our next step. Because no matter where you're at with Jesus, no matter where you're at in the religious life or church life, you always have a next step. And we take that cue from Jesus who said, follow me. And Jesus also said, follow me, and I will have you doing something. I will make you, is what he told his disciples in the first few days, I will make you fishers of men. God is going to call them to an actual mission to do the work of God in the world. And so in this series, Next Steps, we've been looking at getting clarity on what our next step might be. And today we're going to be looking at the idea of being fully engaged, going all in, really being present with what God wants to do through you in the world. And so we're looking at today the idea of engaging in the mission. You see, we all have steps of discipleship to take, whether we're brand new or we've been following Jesus for a while, that God wants to grow us, mature us, make us more into the likeness of his son Jesus. And that's what we're looking at in this series and as a church. We always want to be taking those next steps. I mean, nobody wants to be stagnant in their faith. I don't think any of us want to be spinning our wheels and not really growing. I mean, I hope in five years, I'm a lot more mature than I am now. Right? You hope that too. But you might have that same idea that I want to grow closer to Jesus more and more. Up until he calls us out of this world. I don't know when that's going to be. New heavens and new earth. I don't know when that's going to happen. But while we're here and now, I want to be more like Jesus. And I hope you do too. That's why taking next steps is so important. And today, we're going to be talking about engaging in mission. Being present in what God wants to do in the world. My name is Pastor Ben. So glad you've joined us today. Whether you're in person or online, glad that you guys are all here today. Look, we do this every week. On the first day of the week, it's like we hit a reset button and we take a deep breath and we remember Jesus, the Savior of the world, who came a couple thousand years ago, lived a perfect life, died on that cross for us, but didn't stay dead, rose from the dead on the third day, all according to the scriptures, and he changed human history forever. And so every week on a Sunday, we gather like Christians all over the planet and online, we gather to lift the name up of Jesus. We want to praise and worship him, and that's why we're gathered today. So glad you came today or, or participated. Again, we're, we're singing, we're praising, we're, we're praying together, we're hearing from God's word. We're going to take communion in a little while. All of these to lift up the name of Jesus on every week on a Sunday. So speaking of that, let's pause for a prayer, and then we'll get going today. Father, we come before you. You're mighty and powerful. And we recognize that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father, we lean in on this Sunday morning 
like we do so often, so regular. We lift up the name of your son, Jesus. Father, speak to each of us. Our hearts challenge us for what our next step is. That, Father, we would be actively engaged in your work in the world. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible or a device, find Matthew chapter 10. This will be somewhat familiar, but find Matthew chapter 10. We're going to be there today. And as you're finding that, let me just kind of cue this up a little bit. Look, when you you open the scriptures, even from the first few pages of scripture, you find God empowering people to do work. Even like the first few humans we meet in scripture, Adam and Eve. God called them and he said, he didn't tell them to sit down and he was going to do a bunch of stuff for them. He actually called them to participate in meaningful work. In fact, they were supposed to be, did anybody know what what Adam and Eve, what their work was supposed to be? Yeah, take care of the, I mean, God created this garden and tend it and take care of it, you know, you know, uh, steward this creation that God made. And he, and he gives some specific work, I think, to Adam, right? Uh, Go around and in, what what did he ask Adam to do? Anybody, Anybody know? Name the animals? That would have been kind of fun. I would have named them all like Ben or something, uh, at least the cool animals. But he gave them jobs to do, work to do. And he would walk in the garden with them. That That was probably pretty special, you know. But he gave them work to do. Right from the beginning, God was involving humanity in the work he was doing in the world. Now, it wasn't just Adam and Eve. I mean, we could we could skip ahead, right? We could talk about Noah. That's kind of an interesting story, tragic and interesting. We, we, we see here that God calls him to make a big boat. We call it an ark, and he does it. God gives him an ark. I don't know how, how much blueprints, really, that Noah was going off of. I'm not sure that he was able to look at some of the cruise ships around and say, okay, well, that's, that's about the size we're aiming for. I don't know. But God called him to, to build a boat. I mean, and, and the scriptures say that, that God called him faithful for that. I mean, that would have taken some time. Clearly, it took quite a bit of time. And, you know, God did his work using Noah. So there's a, a, another example. We, we could fast forward to a guy named Moses. Uh, Moses was pretty important in the Old Testament part of the Bible. Moses was uh, a guy that God would use to basically defy the king of the ancient world, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, kind of an important guy. And, and God's going to empower Moses to not only defy the Pharaoh, but like get, get a kickstart to a whole new nation we call Israel. So God used Moses. Now, I, I don't think that Moses initially wanted to do it. Uh, so sometimes God is calling us to do work, and sometimes he's got to nudge us maybe a little bit. Moses seemed like initially he didn't really want to do it. Uh, but then we could fast forward from Moses. We could talk about Jonah. Talk about another person who didn't actually want to do what God was calling him to do. Um, interesting that those two are back-to-back that I just shared with you. But Jonah, God called him to, hey, go to the, well, in Jonah's day, also the world power. At that time, it was Assyria. And God called him to go to this capital town of Nineveh, kind of a pretty strategic town. And God called Noah to go and preach, basically, uh, hey, y'all need to repent. Now, Jonah didn't want to go. And if you know the story, I don't, I don't want to tell it to you. But if you've never read the story, you, you ought to. It's pretty, pretty good. It doesn't really end well either. Jonah still seems to be like angry that God used him to save a whole city. It's like the weirdest thing. Anyway, but, but God called Jonah to do some work, to join with him in the work he's doing in the world. And, and it turned out the whole city was saved even if Jonah didn't want to do it. So God uses us to do work in the world. You know, he could just 
yeah, I guess just zap it and make it happen. I, I guess he could just do that. And maybe times he's intervened, but most of the time he wants to use us to do his work in the world, to be his hands and feet, if you will. I mean, we could talk about others. But look, even when you get to the New Testament, we find God calling people to mission. We, we, we not only see it when you know, Jesus begins to, to call some disciples to start what? Following him. But within a short time, as we'll see in Matthew 10, he calls them to mission to actually be about some work. So if you've got your Bible, if you've got it handy, we're going to see how Jesus himself is going to basically empower them to go do the work that basically they've been seeing him do for, a, for I, would, I would argue, a kind of a short time. I mean, I don't know how long, but if we think Jesus had a ministry of about three and a half years, and, you know, these disciples were called maybe in that first year, well, him then doing what he's going to do here in Matthew 10 may not have been very long, but long enough that they've seen what Jesus has done, and, and they're going to basically continue his work out in the world. So let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Let's just read it down. Uh, starting with about, about verse 11, somewhere in there. Uh, so he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. Verse 2, uh, and the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. You ever wonder if Matthew was like, okay, can we stop calling me the tax collector? You know what I mean? That at some point, was he like, can we drop the moniker a little bit, you know? Uh, anyway, I digress. So, so we know it's Matthew, that guy, that tax collector, Matthew, the tax collector. Uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, now listen to this, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. Okay, some specifics of where to go. Verse 6, but, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So go to your Jewish brothers and sisters, because this, this message needs to go to them first, because that's the group that should have been looking for this. They should have been expecting this kind of message from, uh, you know, the Messiah. And so go to them first, right? And proclaim as you go, verse 7, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So here's your, here's your message. Go to your Jewish brothers and sisters. And, and then listen to this. Listen to this. This is just verse 8. Heal the sick. Okay. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons. Raise the dead. Did you catch that? Now, I, I, I feel like I'm maturing in my life a little bit more. And I'm not sure if, if these 12 were generally mature men, but that's a lot of power to give to some, some dudes in the first century. I mean, you, you know, that, that to me sounds like superpower. And these guys were given this authority, this power to go and, and, and tell their you know, Jewish brothers and sisters the kingdom is at hand, so that, that's good. This, what, we've been, what we've been expecting is coming, and the king is here, right? And then as you're doing that, to kind of confirm probably what you're saying, is you, you could do these miracles, including raising the dead. Have you, have you ever seen that before? So basically, 
a lot of what Jesus was showing them for maybe six months or the last year, he's asking them now to go and, and do. So right away, it almost sounds kind of risky. Because think about this, how much did these, these 12 even know? No? Have you ever felt like maybe at work or, or maybe at school or something, you're, you're asked to do something and you know you're not equipped to do it? Or maybe you're supposed to know something in your job and you don't, so you fake it or something? Where, where you know, you, you feel like you don't have enough information to solve this problem that you're being asked to solve. I don't know how much information these guys had. They didn't go to Bible college. Had any of them ever preached a message? I mean, we know at least four of them, their job was fishing before this. You know, at least four of them. And, and of course we know Matthew was a tax collector. Yeah. So we know that he, he was a, a bean counter. I don't know. He, he liked to work with Excel, Excel spreadsheets, as far as we know. But they didn't have, I mean, as far as we, we don't have a full record of all that, you know, that Jesus taught them. We don't know how well equipped they were. And yet, as risky as it seems, they saw Jesus at least for a period of time, and then Jesus sent them out. And we don't see any of them saying, no, I'm out. They all, they all did it. In fact, we do find in Scripture, they, they do come back at some point, and we get some debrief that happens with Jesus, and they go off, kind of be by themselves, but they kind of talk about what happened. And, and in this chapter, you, I, I encourage you to read it all the way through, but you do see some other things that Jesus kind of warned them about. Um, one of the things that Jesus says to them is that when you're going out and doing this work in the world, it's like you're, you're giving up your life, but in doing that, you're having life. This kind of paradox of you give up your life to find it. And then Jesus clarifies that a little bit later in John 14, 6. He says this life that you're giving up to gain is actually the abundant life, the fullest of life. And these guys are about God's work in the world, even if they didn't have the full playbook in mind, even if they didn't have a little instruction cheat sheet, they went and did God's work in the world. What a powerful thing. See, following Jesus has always been an active sort of deal. It's, a, it's an active sport. It's an active life. When you join the Jesus team, in other words, you're not just suiting up and getting lots of God info shoved in your brain. When you become a follower of Jesus, you're not just suited up, you're in the game. In fact, you may not be ready, but Coach Jesus might tap you on the shoulder and say, you're in. And you're in. It's an active sort of life. Following Jesus always involves taking a next step. Even if we don't totally know where it might go. They didn't understand everything, just like we won't understand everything. But God is calling you, and he's calling me, to use our gifts, our talents, our resources to move his mission forward in the world. For as long as we got, we don't know how long that's going to be. Even during the pandemic, God is still calling us to mission. Does that make sense? He's still calling us to an active life. So here's the big question. If that is true, that God is always calling us to, to take a next step, if God is calling us to do his work in the world, why does it seem that modern Christianity, especially in, in the United States, Christianity is sort of this passive thing where we might go on a Sunday morning and sit for an hour, but it really doesn't 
infiltrate much of other parts of our life. We don't live differently. We don't spend differently. Our relationships aren't that different. Why does it seem like Christianity, for whatever reason, it's not true everywhere, but it just seems like Christianity, evangelical world today, the church today, just seems very, very inactive and passive. When we know from the pages of Scripture and from Jesus' own words that we are called to action. You see, the church in America, and I'm just going to paint a broad stroke, has had a a great run in America. Christianity has had a great run in America. We've had religious freedom, and that's been good for the church. But unfortunately, sometimes when it's good, it can get comfortable, and sometimes too comfortable. And maybe God is calling us to wake up. That maybe the church in America is no longer the home team. And that's going to mean disciples need to make some decisions about are we going to be active following Jesus? Is, it, is, is the life going to look differently? Maybe we've been too passive. Maybe we've been sitting on the sidelines too long, suited up but not actually in the game. God is calling us to be active with our faith. Too often it's been passive. And it's been about sitting in a pew and gobbling up more religious information rather than loving our neighbor. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new series called The Art of Neighboring. So pumped about it because I think that's what God is calling us to do is to be active in our faith. Forever and ever, I always heard this in church circles, that people would go on a mission trip. And what that often means is what? They would travel to another country to do mission work and totally drive by the four neighbors right around us. What if they're our mission field? What if they are also people that that could use hope and use a friend, use some good news? We are called to be active, and sometimes the mission is right around us. Are you active with your faith? What is your next step if that's the case? It's time for us to realize that following Jesus is an active, engaged mission. We don't sit around and just consume religious product. So here's the only point today, and it's this one. Endeavor today, and may I be the holy agitator right now today. Maybe maybe I push and challenge a little bit that you and I, we need to engage with the mission. We need to be engaged with the mission. We are active. And maybe your prayer this week is a simple one. God, what is my next step? What have I, where have I been too passive in my faith? Where have I just sat on the sidelines all suited up but never getting in the game? God, put me in, coach. I'm ready to actively engage with the mission. Maybe that's your prayer. Lord, reveal to me what my next step is on engaging with the mission because you and I are called. You have gifts that I don't have. I have gifts that you don't have. I may have resources you don't have. You have resources I don't have. God is calling us to use those talents, resources, spiritual gifts to build up the church family and to reach the people around us, to love our community, to engage in God's mission of love to the world. Engage. No longer be settled on being inactive and passive in this thing. Be active. God is calling us to follow him to take a next step. And here's a couple things that might help. Some of you may may be brand new with us. That's awesome. Maybe you've been with us for a while. What are some ways, some next steps that would be meaningful in engaging with the mission? The first one is this one. It may seem kind of odd, but what about giving? 
What about being generous? What about actually saying, you know what, I need to put God in charge of my financial life and that maybe I need to turn over that 10% to Him. You know, give it to our local church, give to people around you. Look, one of the most fun things to do in life is to be able to anonymously bless the socks off somebody and they don't have to know it was you. Generosity is part of following Jesus. Giving that 10% is a key thing. Some of you, that needs to be something that happens not just for the sake of the kingdom and the church, but for you in your heart. Because you realize God's in charge and I'm not. So that could be a next step of engagement. Another one could be this, serving on some kind of team. Actually engaging in a mission, uh, 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 even small here around the church family. Whether that's helping with, you know, the welcome part or being online and helping with the, you know, the chat and everything like that, engaging with people that are, that are checking into us from Facebook all over the world, you could actually do something. In fact, the closest relationships I've had in my life have come from serving with someone else together. Some of the closest friends I have have come from serving together. There's something about serving together, you know, helping someone else together that really solidifies relationships. That could be your next step. If you're not serving anywhere using your gifts, let's stop that now. Bam. Time to get active. Here's the third thing. Investing relationally. Do you know that relationships just don't happen like a magic rainbow? Relationships require intentionality. They really do. They require setting something on the calendar. So look around this room or online if you're at home. Have a meal with somebody. Start there. Invest relationally. You know, I heard someone say this, that we invest in what we value. Whether that be giving, serving, relationally. Look, if you, you value relationships, and we all need them, whether you're introvert or extrovert, engage relationally. Actually invest relationally. Be part of a small group. Maybe you just get together with somebody over a meal or coffee. Invest relationally. And here's the last thing, inviting others. This could be a great next step of engagement for you. Have you ever actually invited someone to come with you, either in person or online, to be part of our worship gathering? I feel like when we get together, this is a very warm and welcoming place. And people can ask hard questions. It's okay here. You can be authentic. You can wear jeans. I heard the, pra the pastor sometimes does that. But have you ever invited anybody? I think we have a very invitable group. And we have, we have pretty cool people. We all have issues, but we're pretty cool people. So who have you invited to come with you? Maybe there's someone in your circle of influence, and that could be your next step of engagement. So giving, serving, investing relationally, inviting other people. These are ways, next steps for you to engage in the mission. God has gifted you with resources, spiritual gifts, talents, things that, that, that are unique to you, and he wants you to use them for the good. So what could you do? What is God calling you to do? That be your prayer this week. Lord, help me to engage with the mission. That could be your big prayer today. Look, we all have a next step to take. I don't want any of us to a few years down the road realize that we've not grown at all. I don't want any of us to, to be satisfied with a mediocre faith. I don't want any of us to feel like we've not engaged with the mission. We've really not been present in what God wanted to do. What if God is calling you right now to be part of a mission, to be part of something bigger, and you've ignored him? My guess is God may, may have been tapping on your shoulder. I want to put you in the game. But you just seem satisfied just to sit on the sidelines in your, in your uniform. Get up in the game. What is God calling you to do? Engage with the mission. I'm going to pray here in a minute. But I'll just say this. If, if you're brand new, maybe your next step 
is actually making Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. If you've never done that, that's like a ground zero step one. We've been talking about next steps, but if you've never done that, either here or online, we would love to hear if that's your decision today. It's very simple. It starts with faith, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that he was born miraculously, lived a perfect life, was, was killed on a cross, paid for our sins, past, present, and future, and, and rose from the dead on the third day and offered freedom and hope to humanity. If you've never made him Lord and Savior of your life, it starts with faith. And then it comes to, next is repentance is part of that. Repentance means you, you've got a sin issue and you know you need a Savior to take care of it. Repentance is a biblical word, just means you were going your direction. Repentance means you're going to turn and follow the way of Jesus. We call that repentance. And then you can confess, that is make it public before your family, before the world, that I need Jesus as a Savior. I agree that God is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's confession. And then you're baptized into Christ. That is, you're buried in Christ in the water, and you're risen out of the water into new life. It's a beautiful thing, an experience with Jesus. And then you start walking the ways of Jesus by following, and that is an active lifestyle. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and faithfulness, your mercies that are true, new every morning. Father, I pray that each one of us would have a next step that we could take. Father, that you would empower us and, and challenge us by the power of your Holy Spirit to move, to get in the game, to engage in your mission of love to the world, to be your hands and feet. So, Father, I pray for every person, either online or listening today here in person, that, that we would have a next step clearly that we could take to move your mission of love forward, to engage with your good work here on our planet. So, Father, empower us, speak to, the, to our hearts by the power of your Spirit, and, and may we move your mission forward. In Jesus' name we pray.